Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you're going to look at a verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And um, so great to be back at Hope Northern Hills. Uh, I, I was saying to Tammy and Tosin, I'm getting withdrawal symptoms. I've been away for two whole weeks. I'm starting to get the, the shakes. I'm not sure if it's because the, 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 the free caffeine that's provided here or quite what it is, but um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, good. it's good seeing what God is doing. God's working in people's lives, and um, that's fantastic. Jody and me enjoyed going to the movie that uh, Voice for Life put on on, uh, on Monday night. Who was, who was at that? Who was at that? Oh, fantastic. Who cried at that? Come on. here! Oh, wow. There we go. I know. I have to put my hand up. And uh, I was just glad there was no one next to me, not ruining my reputation. Um, but uh, anyway, that was, that was really, really powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, 19 and verse 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. And then it goes on to say, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I'll read that part again. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. How many of you know that over your life, God has written the word yes? You know, over your life, God is saying yes. For salvation, God is saying yes. For forgiveness, God is saying yes. Yes, come on, you understand? For healing, God is saying yes. For provision, God is saying yes. You see, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. That God is not saying maybe, or I'm not sure, or no, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in terms of salvation, God is saying yes to everyone who comes to Him. He will accept. Amen. And don't you love it that, that when we come to God for forgiveness, that He says yes? Oh, I mean, I, you know, the Bible tells us, the psalmist says, blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. Oh, I tell you, there is a blessing that comes when you know that your sins have been washed away. And I love the fact that when you come to God in faith, He says yes to you. Don't you love that? If you come to God for forgiveness, He doesn't say, well, I don't know, come back in a week, you know, when you've really done some penance. Go walking around for a few days with some stones in your shoes to show yourself, you know, how sorry you really are. Why don't you go and just beat yourself up a little bit? Um, how many of you know you don't need to beat yourself up for your sins because Jesus was already beaten for your sins? Come on. He was already beaten. He was bruised. He was bled for your sins. And then he says to you, when you come to him, as you repent of your sins, as you turn to Jesus, he says, yes. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. You see, we don't, we don't look at our circumstances to determine what God is saying. You know, so you, 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 know, you, you ask God for healing. And maybe you don't receive your healing immediately. So then you don't allow your circumstances to dictate what you think God is saying to you. You don't say, oh, well, maybe God doesn't 
want to heal me. Maybe there's a reason I'm hobbling around with a sore knee. Or, you know what I'm saying? You don't allow your circumstances to speak to you and say, maybe God doesn't want to heal me. Because the answer to that is the fact that God says yes over your life. The will of God is for you to be healed. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate what the will of God is. Allow the word of God to dictate to you what the will of God is for your life. You know, you might pray to God and ask for God's a guidance or his provision. Don't allow maybe a delay to allow you to, to begin to doubt the promises of God because we don't allow the circumstances to tell us what the will of God is. We allow the word of God to tell us what the will of God is. Amen. And so we refuse to drag the word of God down to the level of our experience. Right? Instead, we, we insist on dragging our experience up to the level of the Word of God. And, uh, and so we thank the Lord for His promises. And so it says it here, it says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Jesus. And then it says, and so then the, the amen, the let it be. Amen means let it be. It means, come on, Lord, let it be. The amen is spoken by us to the glory of of God. In other words, our response to the promises of God is saying, Lord, let it be on the earth. Let it be in my life. Let it be in the life of my neighbor, that we could be conduits of the kingdom of God into the world around us. That we say, God, let it be. Amen. And uh, that's, what, that's what amen means. And, you know, I, I mentioned this story uh, the last time I was here, but, you know, there was a time that I learned very powerfully about allowing for. God's promises to shape my expectation. And I was traveling an Indian train. I was single. I was a tourist. I was traveling on Indian train. I've been traveling all around India. And of course, I was brought up in India. And so I was looking at some of the sites that I'd gone. And I was traveling on a train to a city called Bangalore, where, where we lived from when I was one to when I was eight. And so I was traveling there, but I was starting to run out of money. And I was starting to, you know, get a little bit concerned. I've been ripped off a couple of times as I was traveling around. And so I wake up on the train. It was an overnight train. I wake up on the train, open up my Bible, and, and I read in, in Ephesians. And I read this in my, in my, my time as, I'm, as we're coming towards the city of Bangalore. I'm praying and I'm, I'm reading the Bible. And it says, it says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And I thought, oh, that's, you know, and, and, and so I finished that and, and then I, and I come and I'm praying. And in my heart, there's fear. And so this is how I pray. I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to Bangalore. Help me not to get ripped off. Uh, Lord, help me to find some accommodation that I can afford. Help me to find something that's cheap. Help me not to be cheated. And this is how I'm praying, okay? Because I've, you know, I've had a little bit of history. And so as I'm praying that, and I, oh, I feel like the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, excuse me, what have you just been reading? And so I go back and I, and I see, oh, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It was like the Lord was saying, listen to you praying. Help me not to get ripped off. Help me to find something cheap. You know, look at this. And I says to the Lord, but this is, says that you've blessed me in the heavenly realms. But I'm in the earthly realms. <laughs> I'm trying to save money in the earthly realms. And, uh, and it's like the Lord showed me, no, you're, you're spiritual. In, in heaven, we have everything we need anyway. 
God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in your heavenly bank account, not just so you say, oh, one day when I get to heaven, I'll be able to look at this great, but because we can begin to withdraw the gifts of the Spirit, the blessing of God, the presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God from that which has been blessed in the Spirit realm over our lives. Every one of us has been blessed by the Spirit of God if we are followers of Jesus in the Spirit realm. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ so that as we need it, we say, Lord, I thank you that there is an abundance of your wisdom, your provision, your guidance, your presence. Come on, is this making sense? So I'm sitting on the train and it's like the Lord saying, excuse me, what kind of a prayer was that? I said, okay, okay, I cancel it and I start again. So I said, Lord, I ask that you'd, you'd go before me and that I would have a restful time in Bangalore, that I would enjoy myself there, that you would you'd give me accommodation where I feel at home and, and I feel restored. And, and I start praying what's really in my heart. Okay, so I, I'll tell you the story, but, but you know, uh, I get to the platform, we get there, it's the morning now, and uh, I get off the train and I go to have breakfast in one of these restaurants attached to, uh, to, the, to the railway station. And so I'm sitting there with my bags and I'm ordering what is very close to heavenly food. I don't know if you know um, Indian food, but there is a dish called idlis. Hand up if you've heard of idlis. Oh, Lord, help these people. <laughs> and uh, so there was this, this dish of idlis, and there was a side plate of, of, of dosa. Has anybody tried dosa? So idlis is, yes, oh, fantastic. Some illuminated people that are in the room. And uh, uh, dosa is like a savory pancake. Idlis are like a, like a rice cake, and it comes with a little chutney. And <laughs> so, and so I'm there. I'm having my, my 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 little happy meal. That's a real happy meal. Forget about McDonald's. That's a happy meal. So I'm I'm, I'm eating this, and there's somebody uh, at another table, and he says, um, "Oh, hello. Where are you from?" You know, he can see I'm a foreigner. So I said, "I'm from New Zealand," and and that tends to be the way it goes when you're in India traveling. Where are you from? New Zealand. Oh, the cricket. You know, and then we start a conversation. And uh, so we start this little conversation while I'm eating. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm coming back to Bangalore. My, you know, we lived here for some years. My father worked here. And he was like, oh, where did your father work? I said, oh, he worked in a German aid organization called KNH, Kinder Not Helfer. And the guy goes, I work for KNH. And he says, in fact, uh, he says, I've been away on some, some, some business on the train. And he says, in fact, I I'm getting picked up in a car and, and I'm going to staff meeting. Why don't you come? So I said, sure. So I, I, I finished up my idlis and, and got our bags. We jumped in the car. We're now we're driving to KNH where my dad used to work. And there we are. And, and now he's introducing me to all the staff and the director. And, and some of them go, oh, we remember your dad. And, blah, 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 and they're all talking. And then the director says, so where are you staying in Bangalore? And I said, well, I haven't sorted out my accommodation. He said, oh, we've got a guest apartment. We got a guest apartment. You have to stay in the guest apartment. So he asked some people to take his bags to the guest apartment. And then he turned to me and he said, you're going to like the guest apartment. He says, because it was your old family's apartment. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I'm in my old bedroom. <laughs> laying in the bed with a nice bowl of fruit there and saying, I feel at home. <laughs> and I learned, yeah, Lord. You have so many different ways that you can, that you can bless us. But, you know, it's, it's great, isn't it, when God answers so quickly. But how I many you know sometimes you don't always get an answer 
as instantaneous as that one was, went from breakfast to the hotel, I mean, to the apartment. But, but you know, God wants us to continually be people who walk by faith because sometimes there is delay in the promises of God, but there can be an ability that we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because God loves faith and, um, and that we can incubate the promises of God. Yonggi Cho is a great hero of mine, talks about the process of, of carrying your faith till it's fulfilled, like the incubation of an egg that has to stay warm until eventually it hatches. Does that make sense? And so we, we continually to keep that which God has promised in His Word and into our lives, uh, we continually do that. You know, in, uh, in Numbers chapter 33, we see a story about how, you know, if you, if you hear about the story of the Old Testament, God took the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and He said, I'm going to be taking you to the promised land. In other words, to a land that I'm promising you. And then we find out in Numbers 33 that as they come all the way and they're traveling in the desert and they have all sorts of encounters with God, they finally come to the edge of the land of Israel and Moses sends in some spies and they go out to spy out the land. And, and then they come back and 10 of the spies come back and they've seen an amazing land. God said, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey because God's a God of blessing. And, and, uh, but then we see in Numbers 13, Verse 27, it says, and they, uh, 10 of the spies came back and they said, we went to the land where you sent us and it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit, they said, and they brought back the amazing fruit. And they said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Their cities are fortified, very large. We saw giants there. And then Caleb, who was one of the spies, he gets up and and he says, come on, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome them. We're able to step into the promises that God said to, the, uh, to us. But, but the men who had gone with him said, we are not able to go against this people, for they are stronger than we. What they said is, okay, God has brought us this far, and he's promised us the promised land, but we just don't believe that we can take it. You see, it's a picture for us is that the promises of God don't just happen automatically, just fall out of the sky, but by faith and, and, and with steps of faith and with perseverance with God that we can begin to take the things that God has, has promised for us both collectively and individually. And, uh, and you know, the, the Bible tells us that God, when He saw that their unbelief, that He closed the door. And He says, right, that's it. I'm closing the door to the promised land. And I'm still going to be faithful to my promise, but not to this generation. And it says then for 40 years, he led them around and around and around the desert. Not in their promises, not in their potential. Because of their unbelief until all that generation died. Except there was Caleb, Joshua, two of the spies that had believed God. In other words, they'd seen it was a great land. They'd seen that the cities were fortified. They saw the impossibilities and yet they said, yet, but we, we, we believe our convictions. I want to tell you that in your heart, there will always be sometimes the battle between your unbelief and your faith in God. But it just depends on what you feed and what you listen to. You know, I love the fact that there was a man who brought his daughter to the disciples to be set free. And was it daughter or son? 
I can't remember, but, but as they couldn't cast out the demon and then he, then he brings it to Jesus and he says, oh, my son, you know, this is what's been happening and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and he said, if you can do anything, Jesus, will you help him? And Jesus was like, if you can, if you can. In other words, sure, God can, but he's also looking for something from our side. And then Jesus said to him, all things are possible for him who believes. And then I loved his response. Because sometimes I feel like this. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. <laughs> I love it, right? How many, how many of you relate to that guy? Eh? Oh, man, Lord, I do believe, but I also have this other side. You know, on this side I'm believing, but on this side I'm afraid. And sometimes that's part of the journey of faith. That's part of the incubation is as we as we walk with the promises of God, as we feed on the Word, as we feed on the promises, this, our faith grows and our unbelief shrinks. And, uh, and we begin to see what God has done. So if you're in a process where you're waiting, if you're in the waiting room, I want to encourage you to have faith in God. You see some promises in the, in, in the Word of God. And if you're in the waiting room, I want to encourage you, have faith in God. God can help us with our unbelief, but let's continue to walk in, in, uh, in um, confidence with Him. The second thing, we can have faith in God. The second thing in the waiting room is I want to encourage you to surrender to God. See, the kingdom of God really works when Jesus is Lord. And sometimes in the waiting room, we can freshly surrender our lives to Jesus because He's not Lord at all if He's not Lord of all. And we need to constantly be in our hearts surrendering and making Jesus Christ Lord. When you're waiting for the things that maybe God has promised in His Word or promised into your life, I want to encourage you, freshly surrender yourself to God. If He isn't Lord of all, He isn't Lord at all. Matthew 6, Jesus said this, talking about provision. He says, why do you worry about your life? And by that, there's a lot of things. Your life encompasses a whole bunch of stuff. And he just listed a few. He says, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. Why do you worry about these things? He says, people who don't know God, they worry about those things. And, and what I love about it is he said, because your heavenly Father knows that you need such things. There's some people who say, don't worry about you know, what you eat and drink and wear and what you got to drive and, you know, you don't worry about your house, you know, because none of that matters. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says your heavenly Father knows that you need such things. And then he said this, he said to them, but here's, here's, here's the answer, here's a kingdom perspective. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, you know, surrender to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make, make the kingdom your highest priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these other things that you're worrying about. Put them into second place, into third place, Jesus in first place. And He said, all these other things will be given to you as well. When we surrender to God, there can be fresh presence that comes on our lives. You know, the Bible talks about Abraham, and Abraham had a long faith journey where God had promised him a son, and his wife was barren, and they were getting old, 
and he decided to cancel his faith in the promises of God. And God had to keep reinstating and say, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And um, eventually, see in the book of Genesis, eventually Sarah had a child, even though she was elderly. And but then, you know, God did something very, very interesting because, you know, there is power when we surrender. And as the boy was getting older, God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to take your son. This son that I've been promising you, this son that you've been believing me for, this son that seemed impossible to receive, and then this miracle that you finally received, I want you to take your son and I want you to come up to the top of the mountain and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, I tell you the lesson from there is that, you know, even the promises of God, even the things that God has promised us should never ever become more important than God himself. And when we freshly surrender to God, even the things that he has blessed us with, as we surrender to God, fresh blessing comes on us. And Abraham was this amazing guy, is that despite the incredible faith journey he's had, he went up to the top of that mountain and he bound his son on an altar to say, God, there is no one that I am going to lift up above you. I'm going to surrender everything to you. And he had so much faith, the New Testament tells us, he had so much faith that he said, I know God has promised that it's through Isaac that I'm going to have offspring. So that means that when I put the knife in, God's going to raise him again. Come on, is that faith or is that faith? I mean, he's like going, okay, hey, son, I'm going to kill you now, but I'm going to see you soon. All right, I, 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 don't be scared. The knife is going to hurt, but it'll be quick. And, uh, and he says, I'm going to kill you, but then I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to raise you because God is faithful to his promises. So Abraham knew God is going to be faithful. I wonder how Isaac felt. <laughs> anyway, he's there. The knife goes up. And then... God speaks to Abraham. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. I never, I never intended for you to do it, but I just love the fact you were prepared to do it. And then he turned around and he saw a ram, male sheep, caught in the, in the bushes. And it was a picture of the fact that we all should die. But Jesus was the ram who died in our place so that we don't have to die, but he shed his blood for us. Amen. And, uh, you know, and so when you're waiting for the promises of God, freshly surrender your life to him. Make Jesus Lord um, fresh, even over the promises that he has given to you. How else can we cooperate with heaven? We can co cooperate with heaven with divine strategy. Sometimes we can, we can, uh, see a promise in God's word that speaks into our life, or maybe God can speak prophetically and give us a promise. But sometimes there's a strategy. When Jesus saw the disciples struggling away trying to catch fish, he said, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the fish. I'm sorry, on the other side of the boat. And suddenly they were full of fish. Sometimes there's a divine strategy. You know, I, I mentioned once before that I'd had a team, our first team that was going to India, and we ended up in Singapore, and we... we Postman, I travel. We didn't have tickets because we ended up being on the wait list. And God supernaturally, miraculously, 
somehow got us the tickets to be on that flight. So I thought I knew how the system worked. That was eight people. There was no way we could get on the flight. I was down at Singapore Airlines praying and got a phone call from an Asian lady who said, take down these numbers. So I took down the numbers, gave it to the lady at the counter, and she said, oh, yes, eight tickets on tonight's flight to Madras. It was, it was, it was miraculous. It was supernatural. It was so I thought, hey, that's how it always works. But how many know God's a God of strategy? So I thought that was eight tickets. Well, there was another time me and a friend were, were traveling to another nation, and we were, we were stuck in our transit place. And once again, flight issues got mucked up, and we were going out to the airport. We were on the standby wait list. And I thought to myself, this is easy because God did eight. This is just two. So I was boasting about God, but it wasn't faith. It was just presumption. Oh, don't worry. We'll get there. And we're waiting as weightless passengers. And then they say, oh, weightless passengers. This is about half an hour before the flight goes. Could you please come to counter 14? So when I go to counter 14, there's like a mob. Not a queue, like a scrum. And literally everyone's squeezing in, trying to push their tickets, their passports. This, this guy's standing there. He reaches into the scrum, grabs someone. And I'm too polite to push and fight and elbow my way to the front. So I'm looking at the scrum. He pulls out three, four, five tickets. And then he says, sorry, that's it. Flight's full. Everyone go home. You can try again tomorrow. I tell you, I went away and I was ticked. Lord. How could this happen? I thought you were going to get me on the flight. Next morning, I'm praying. Well, how am I going to get on that flight? Because everyone who didn't get on is going to be back. There's going to be another scrum. So I'm praying, and then I felt like the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart. Take charge. So I went with a fresh word, with a strategy. I took my notepad, uh, sort of an A4 size notepad, and went to the airport really early. And because they don't tell you where the standby counter is, you can't queue. So I'm looking around, looking for so many dodgy looking people. People are just sort of done. And I, and I see a couple of guys just sort of standing there sort of sheepishly. So I went up to them and I said, are you guys standby passengers for the flight? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's your name? And so I put number one. What's your name? You were here first. I put him. Number two. Number three is me. Number four is my friend Dave. I keep looking around because God says, take charge. <laughs> As I see other people come, I say, oh, are you stand my passengers? Okay, you're number five, you're number six, you're number seven, you're number eight. Gradually, it starts to get a life of its own. Standby passengers are talking to other standby. Are you on the list? No, I'm not on the list. You've got to get your name on the list. <laughs> people are coming over. Oh, sorry, I didn't know there was a list. I've been standing over there for the oh, Sorry, mate, you're number 12. <laughs> you're number 13. You're number 14. Now I get people pleading with me. There's a guy who said, I'm a doctor. I have to do an operation. I have to be there. Sorry, man. You're number 18. Okay, no, 19. Now I'm getting nervous because the queue is getting long. And I'm turning over. And there's 23 and 24. And I think, God told me to take charge, but I have no real authority. <laughs> so I look at this, the, the, the counter. It's got all the different check-in desks. See a guy who looks kind of like the boss. So I, I go up to him and I say, can I talk to you? I've got a list here of all the standby passengers in order of their arrival to the airport. What? 
I told him again, he takes my list to another guy, and then they laugh. And I thought, don't undermine me in front of my customers here, you know? <laughs> and he comes back with my list. He gives me the list, and he points at me, and he says, you are now in charge of all the standby passengers. Now I have authority. And he says, I want you to gather all their passports, all their tickets, in order of this list, and bring it to me. So now I'm going, hey, tickets, passports, come on. <laughs> sure enough, as the first couple of spots, the first couple of guys went in, and then spot three and four opens up. Later, guys, you can have my list. I'm on. <laughs> See, sometimes we need to have a strategy from heaven that tells us how God wants to do what he, what he wants to do. And here's what I believe. Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You know, as a church, God calls us to reach people. God's wanting to build a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church. God's got a call on us collectively, but God's got a call also on your life individually. As he, He's appointed and called you for good works, which He's prepared in advance for you to do. And God will always call us to something we can't actually accomplish on our own because we get to partner with heaven. What God wants to do through Northern Hills can't be done. But if we'll partner with the Holy Spirit, it will be done. As we use our faith, what God's called you to individually, it can't be done. But if you partner with the Holy Spirit, we can see things happen in our lives and in our community that's not possible. And I saw a picture when I was praying about this message, and I saw a picture of, of boulders that were black and burnt. And as I looked at that, I was reminded of in Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem that had been de de demolished and destroyed. The enemies mocked and they said, are you going to rebuild with these stones that have been burnt with fire? You know, I believe in our city and in our nation, God is taking burnt stones and saying, I'm going to build with burnt stones. But there are people here today and maybe circumstances, things in your life, in your world, somehow or other has burnt you in a way. It's robbed something of your vision, robbed something maybe of your assurance of God's faithfulness, of God's promise. Maybe the things that you held on to in the past, you've let go of, and maybe heaven looks at you and sees a stone that's been burnt, charred. But here's what I believe. I believe God is in the business of gathering an army of charred and burnt, broken stones. The Bible tells us that we are living stones that God is putting together in His temple that is going to be glorious. And I want to tell you that, that as I was looking at that picture of this burnt boulder, what I saw was, I, I saw it started to rain. 
And as it started to rain, all that black, charred, burnt exterior just began to melt off the stone. And I believe that God is wanting to release from people's lives the damage or the burn or the effects of life, of faith, of church life that sometimes can scar us from what we originally were. But I believe that if we can come through that fire, that God can make us better. And I feel that there's some people here today and God wants to say to you that I have not finished with the promise of heaven declared over your life. I don't know what your age, I don't know your background. I don't know what you've been through or what you haven't been through. But what I can say is this, that no matter how many promises God has made, God has made. Not just a prophecy, because prophecies sometimes can be right. Sometimes they can be wrong. But if God is behind that prophecy, or if God has spoken into your life, God has purposed you, as it says in Ephesians 2, it says that you're His handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that God has a plan on your life. And I believe that God says, no matter what the past has happened to you, no matter how you've been burnt, all things will work together for the good of those that love God and that are called according to His purpose. That you say, God, I made mistakes, or this happened to me, or that person betrayed me, or I got cheated. But I want to tell you that heaven looks at that, and God is creative, and He says this, I promise over your life that all things will work together for your good. If you will love me, if you be called according to my purpose on your life, I'm going to take everything that damaged you and I'm going to make it better. It's going to accelerate you into the purposes of God. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody here today, but, <laughs> but I believe that God wants to take burnt stones and He wants to wash them fresh with His rain and His spirit and His faithfulness. And then He wants to knit us together with others. That we would see the faithfulness of God over a nation. And then we look at, at our nation and we say, God, in, in our nation, in many senses, there is, there, there is a nation that's walked away from God. There's about 15% of New Zealand that says that they go to church maybe once a month. And we know that there's a chunk of New Zealand that are looking for spiritual answers, but looking in the wrong place. But we say, Lord God, over our city, over our nation, Lord, let your faithfulness, let your promise, let that which you have intended to happen over our lives, let it happen, oh God. That there's a hunger in people's lives, but they're looking maybe instead of looking for prophecy, they're looking at horoscopes. Instead of looking for the blessing that comes from the Creator, they, they got dream catchers in their cars and lucky charms and worshiping idols, but God says all those things are abominations because He, he wants to bless our life direct. He says, don't look at the stars for your future. Look at the one who created the stars. He, he loves you. He knows you. Come on. And, uh, and we've got a nation that may be looking in the wrong place, but here's what I believe. I believe God wants to raise a church that says we want to put to shame every, um, you know, every other counterfeit form of spirituality because we present the glory of God, the reality of the power of God, the true miraculous, come on, the real prophecy that people just begin to experience the reality of the power of God. I believe God wants to raise a church that can carry His presence and His glory. And He says, over your life, He says, I want to be faithful to my promise. To my promise. Why don't you stand on your feet here in this place? And I just believe the Lord wants to 
I believe He wants to just uh, pour out afresh over people's lives today. The touch of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the presence of God. And maybe you can relate to having been through a fire. Maybe you can relate to a being a, a stone that's been burnt. But Lord, we just say, God, we thank you that you're taking burnt stones and you're building a beautiful temple that can carry your glory. Hey, and right now, just across this place, if you're here today and you know, Lord, what I need to do is I want to need to make you number one again. I need to surrender afresh my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to, I need to make Him Lord of all because I know it's, He's not Lord at all unless He's Lord of all. And right now, I place Him in that number one place. And if you know, you just got to do that transaction with the Lord. Why don't you just, why don't you just lift your hands where you are? Just, just lift your hand and say, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm coming to freshly. Good on you. God bless you. Just, I'm here to say freshly, Lord, I want to surrender my life. I want to surrender. I want to, I want to elevate you. The Bible says, in your heart, separate Jesus Christ as Lord. And so we lift you up, Lord, above everything else. That you'd not have any competition, that you'd be in the number one spot right now. And no, we, as we do that, we ask for your presence, your power. Rovendiza marakila hai. I believe there's a, there's a person here and you knew what it was to really carry a, a promise from heaven in your life, but I believe time has caused you to downgrade that which you really had a conviction that God had spoken into your heart. I don't know who I'm speaking to in this, but I really believe that God says to you, that the gift and the call of God is without repentance. He hasn't changed his mind. But actually, he's still on track. He's still on track. And Spirit of God, we just thank you that life can cause there to be a burning of the stones, but we thank you that you're wanting to renew. You're wanting to renew by your Spirit. Every person that feels that somehow the promises of God have gone through a fire, they've gotten burnt. And Lord, we pray, Lord, this morning that you would renew it. That you would renew it in Jesus' name. I don't know if that relates to you, but listen, if that, that relates to you, I really believe that God wants to do something today. To just wash off the effect of that soot or that black or that burning. Cause there to be a renewing in your spirit concerning the promises of God. And so we declare, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And the amen, the let it be, spoken by us to the glory of God. If you can relate to that, you can relate to that. Can you just very, very quickly, can you just slip out from your seat where you are? Just come down the front. I just believe God wants to. I believe just God wants to pour out His faithfulness over people. I believe that the Spirit of God just wants to wash away just the effects of that. And come on, come on down the front and say, Yes, Lord God, I, I, I pray, God, that You would, by Your Spirit, Lord, just be renewing right now Your promises in our lives. Anybody else who says, Yes, that's me. I just know that, that that which I've been carrying, that which I've been walking with, 
has gotten affected by life, but right now I just renew it. And so, God, we just want to thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Just around this place, let's just let's just begin to worship God with the band. Let's just say, Holy Spirit, we welcome your faithfulness. We welcome your spirit. We welcome your presence. We welcome your presence of every promise that we carry. And we say, Lord, let your faithfulness, Lord, guide us into that, through the waiting period, into a time where we can be established in your promise. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hey, let's worship with the band together. And as we do, let's just receive afresh the faith from heaven over the promises of God being spoken into our lives. Thank you.